0: an American, a Canadian and a Brit walk into a bar. But this isn't a bad joke. This is Ladies of Valhalla. Hello everyone and welcome to Ladies of Valhalla, the family-friendly, female-focused podcast. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host today. This time out we'll be talking to you about the 2018 Dark Horse original graphic novel A Conspiracy of Ravens from Leah Moore, John Repian and Sally Jane Thompson. But first, please allow me to introduce my wonderful co hosts today, the Hera of Headaches, the Artemis of Animal Crossing, the polluter of Pokemon, it's Lady B herself, Miss Bromley Kelly, say. <laughs> soon, sorry. I love it, I love it. And sitting to the other metaphorical side of me is the Taiki of TikTok, the Augusta of Aunts, the Bellona of baby showers, it's Lady J, Miss Jessica Schaefer. Yeah. Woo! A baby showers. <laughs> so, so, how are we today, ladies? How do you, You I am absolutely great. I'm very excited to be talking to you both again because it's been a while. Yeah. Way too long.
1: Um,
0: and on top of that, we're talking about a book that I very much enjoyed um, and am excited to hear both of your thoughts on. So, what we normally do at this point is um, give. Some general impressions some spoiler free spoiler free thoughts if i could get my words out mm-hmm. um the goodreads rating for a conspiracy of ravens which ties beautifully into our history of choosing book titles that are incredibly difficult to say <laughs> um is 3.58 from 186 ratings and 39 reviews which i think is one of the lowest number of ratings and reviews of any book that we've looked at um, which kind of makes me think that maybe A Conspiracy of Ravens has kind of flown under the radar a bit, no pun intended
1: you can try and <laughs> pretend that wasn't intended <laughs> see, everybody knows it was intended okay, I see what you did there
0: <laughs> welcome to the Punderdome yeah. um, so general impressions and spoiler free thoughts it's It's been made no secret. I've talked about this book on the main Talking Comics podcast. I very, very much enjoyed A Conspiracy of Ravens. I've kind of raved about it on my Twitter feed a fair amount for anybody who follows me on social media. But Jess, give me your general impressions, please, nicely. I thought it was adorable. I thought it was
1: exactly what um it should be for a book like this um it was enjoyable to read it wasn't um too lengthy I, it was a good ya you know um you could sit down you can read you can enjoy it and and move along i i really liked um the artwork in it i love a monochromatic um art style so yeah all over all around i thought it was pretty darn good i enjoyed the heck out of it i will say
0: Awesome. And Bronwyn, what about you? Oh, yes, I
2: enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, I really, the, uh, the aesthetic of it stood out to me. I It's funny, I'm usually all about the colors all the time, right? Mm. Um, but every now and then, a, a sort of mono, monochromatic kind of environment it really gets me. And this is one of them. You know, um, Terry Moore is another artist that I really love, even though he works primarily in black and white and um, like black magic with Nicholas Scott. That's another example of black and white Mm -hmm. that really worked for me. But um, in this case, it wasn't even black. It was this blue tone that went through the whole book. And I just, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it worked so well for the tone and style of the story. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. I loved it. And it's funny because the, um touches on one of your your questions a little bit later about talking about how there's cover art on the front and then the backs of the uh, of the covers of the trades and it shows the characters in color and i love that too like it's spectacular and it feels like it just amps them up a little bit and feels like they're in a different dimension almost and yet somehow that's not what i want to see in the interior, even though that is exactly my palette, typically, <laughs> it just this this monochrome look really suits the storytelling um, and the narrative. It just is beautiful and it, it works really, really nicely. So, the art in this really stood out for me.
0: Awesome. Well,
2: I'm
1: pleased to hear that you both enjoyed it because this would be a terrible show if you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I just want to come on and say that to you and just <laughs> oh no and see what happens. Like, oh, Sarah, this was terrible.
0: Like, <laughs> you made me read this. Well, it would make for interesting discussion. <laughs> Let's just hope that never happens. <laughs> um, so. so at this point we're going to give a spoiler warning obviously we are going to go quite deep into the book if you haven't had a chance to read a conspiracy of ravens it is available um, on comiXology it will be available where good books are sold it's also available on evil online retailers please do go and pick a copy up check your local library see if they've got it for you because we don't want to ruin what for me is a really really fun book but we would love for for everyone to also read along and enjoy it before they hear our thoughts that is my spoiler warning that is the only spoiler warning that you are getting be prepared for me to ruin everything (laughs) forever (laughs) (laughs) basically my raison d'etre um so the first question that i put to the ladies this week is that the book comes across as very British to me, very Enid Blyton, Jolly Hockey Sticks style, which might actually in itself be a quintessentially British way of explaining something. Um, so I've asked the ladies how they would describe the book. I don't know if Jolly Hockey Sticks is an expression <laughs> that either of you have heard or that either of you have used, but it's the fact that you're laughing at me, telling it isn't. Um, but it's, it's that kind of willing to get stuck in going out to play sports even in the rain kind of person who's kind of liable to lick a hanky and wipe the mud off your face kind of attitude it's it's this sort of we're all in it together so let's make the most of it type thing which sounds a little bit more um blitz spirit than it's supposed to but is is jolly hockey sticks an international <laughs> expression does this is this book very very british or is that just me pushing my version of the world onto the book um jess you're laughing lots so you get to go first
1: because i just wrote like i have no idea what that means okay i have Dear no god. idea i need to google it i'm like she'll tell me once i get there like what jolly hockey sticks means um it's got hockey in it and i had no idea oh <laughs> god <laughs> just like what what are you talking about? <laughs> so you are very British. I didn't think the book was that British. It wasn't so British that I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Honestly, um, whatchamacallit, I think Giant Days was more British than this was. You know what I mean? Like where it had some stuff where I was like, I need to Google that word because I don't know what that means. I don't feel this book had like that same kind of Britishness. It was very British, but it wasn't too British that like an American like myself um, (laughs) would not be able to understand I th- it gave me, honestly, it gave me the vibes of the kids, the, of the the kids, the books that I used to read when I was a kid, um, stuff like The Babysitter's Club, um, R.L. Stein's Fear Street. It like those two mixed together, and if they had a baby, like with Nancy <laughs> Drew, like that's <laughs> kind of what yes. this book is. It brought me back, like. Books that I haven't read in probably 20 or so years. And I loved that so much. That, that's kind of, I think, what made me love it so much. I was like, yes, give me more of this. It makes me so happy. It makes me feel like a kid again. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think it was too British. I felt that I understood it quite a bit. You may be too British. <laughs> but the book itself, I thought it was was not it was okay i could understand it
0: amazing (laughs) um bronwyn did i baffle you with jolly hockey sticks
2: oh my god i did google it because i didn't want to sound like an idiot when i got on here especially as the resident hockey player but oh my lord that was the most british thing you've ever said and that's saying something thank you I died. I'm like, jolly hockey. I usually, I can make it through your questions without having to actually Google it to find out what you're actually asking me. But nope, no, you stumped me in the first one. I'm like, okay. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I had never read Enid Blyton either. So I, I didn't know Ooh. anything about what you were asking with this question. Um <laughs> 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 amazing so that was it was an <laughs> awesome way to start off I was just like I I don't
1: I don't know um, <laughs> personally I just um, read it was like what is this crazy woman talking about <laughs> <I did. laughs> it was amazing um, but I have this. learned
2: since that who Enid Blyton is um, <laughs> and I can say that no that did not make it across the pond at least not to me um, and uh, unlike Jess I did find that this was a bit more British than, than like giant days Maybe the boarding school thing made it a little bit more British mm. sounding to me, a little more continental. Um, <laughs> it, but that was, it didn't make it inaccessible, just foreign to my experience, right? Mm. Um, but I loved it. I was very much the same as Jess. It, it did remind me of reading books when I was little, like uh, the Nancy Drews very much brought me mm. to mind of reading the Nancy Drews. Um, and But Perhaps even the closest I could come to was the Harry Potter series with going off to school and then solving, you know, yeah. mysteries and stuff like that. So something a little bit more current than, than perhaps right back to my childhood. <laughs> 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 um, but either way, yeah, I think <laughs> it's funny that the, the the story we were talking about was definitely more accessible to me than the question about the
1: story we were talking about. <laughs> Uh,
0: uh, okay, let's go to the next question and talk about that one too. Nailed it? <laughs> Amazing. So I managed to make the question more British than the actual book. Yeah. yeah. That is going to lead me on to my next question, which is that for me, there were some very British motifs throughout the book. So, the question I wrote was Did these seem familiar to you from Enid Blyton and St. Trinian novels of your youth, or did those not make it over the pond to your childhood? (laughs) I am rapidly realising that I am speaking a foreign language when I say things like this. I, I grew up with books like The Famous Five and The Six Cousins, which were all about children going off and having adventures and eating picnics with lashings of ginger beer which will mean nothing to you if you've never read enid Blyton, but if like me you grew up with enid Blyton, a picnic must have lashings of ginger beer um and it was a very specific subset of book from my childhood into which i would also put um things like the narnia series and and it was the kind of about children that just got on and did they didn't need adult interference they didn't need grown-up supervision they they just pulled their socks up and got on with it and it was you know very very british um (laughs) and i get the real vibes of that from conspiracy it just reminds me of those kind of books that i grew up reading um but clearly this question is lost on you because neither of you grew up with enid Blyton or centrinian's Bronwyn did you find familiar British motifs from books you didn't read as a child <laughs> I mean to, to throw you a bone I did read
2: the Narnia books Oh, okay,
0: brilliant. <laughs> yeah
2: I, I knew those <laughs> so um these weren't entirely unfamiliar motifs <laughs> um and I did yeah I did definitely see that that crossover I did see that connection um it was a little perhaps less familiar to me um, because I, I, I grew up reading maybe more of a mishmash. Um, but that, that same sense of the kid having to take agency um, because the adults weren't around or weren't capable or were otherwise terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seems to be a fairly common motif in, in a lot of, of children's literature in this sense. So mm. um yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely found that familiar. So even though it was perhaps not from a strictly British standpoint, I, de- I, I connected to it.
0: Mm. Okay, that makes me feel slightly better about myself. Uh, <laughs> Jess?
1: Yeah, same, same deal. Like where I did not know those books that you were talking about specifically, we did have books and I just talked about them a little bit. with the last question that were like that, we had Nancy Drew. I read so many babysitter clubs books so many um, yep. written by M. Martin I mean so many too many I don't know what I was doing with myself but I definitely <laughs> read so many babysitters club um you know like I was saying like RL Stein I read a lot of the goosebumps a lot of the fear streets oh, the Um streets. Love the yeah exactly so you know I we did have books like that where like the kids had to go off and, and you know solve you know the crime or the mystery or blah 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 it was always like there's no parents like what happened to any of these parents they're like off golfing you know that was <laughs> know, like <laughs> um, the parents are always gone the kids already have always have to like do the dirty work and solve the crime or stop the monster or kill the person or do, do, do you know so yeah we did I did read a lot of that as a child so many babysitter club book what was I, doing?
2: <laughs> I mean i don't think that qualifies you for a misspent youth the babysitter uh, no. clubs are <laughs> like all my time <laughs> i all my time reading babysitter clubs book i'm not wow. sure how it went from there to goth jess though i'm really intrigued okay. by that transition <laughs> you went from
1: marianne <laughs> it, to black yeah no really, it was like all good i even saw i told you this i saw the backstreet boys when i was 12 or 13. Ah! Okay, that was my <laughs> first concert ever, was the Best Boys, and we even made a sign. We made a sign. Aww. Okay, and then, like, I hit high school and it was like, darkness. <laughs> you know? No parents. Well, I have my parents, <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> hate my parents. You know, I didn't hate my parents. You just go through this phase, yada, yada, yada. They're lovely. Everybody and goes love through the phase, yeah. your parents are lovely. Exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's that's how it happened,
0: from. It went from like, yay, let's go see the Backstreet Boys. To, so you literally went from Unikitty to Batman. That's what <laughs> what we're saying. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I stayed with Unikitty, although
2: I definitely had a, a dark Unikitty phase that, that lasted most of high school. So that's I
0: have. Often apologized to my mother for my Batman phase as a teenager. Ditto. Since I've become an adult and had experience of raising children, I I regularly phone my mother and go, what, was terrible. Why did you put up with me?
2: Oh, my God. Can we Um, officially coin it the Batman phase?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Maybe we should. (laughs) The point in your life at which you wear only black or very, very, very dark gray.
1: Specifically the Lego
0: Batman phase, too, too, right? I'm
1: in my Batman
0: phase. (laughs) you are you are 100% in your Batman face do you also w- eat a lot of lobster Thermidor <laughs> Yeah. that's a question that will make no sense Extra to anybody Thermidor. listening who hasn't seen the Lego Batman movie um, <coughs> sidebar if you haven't seen the Lego Batman movie go and watch the Lego Batman movie it is incredibly <coughs> funny and well worth your time 100% um, kind of vaguely actually sticking with um, a Batman scene let's talk a little bit about absentee parents (laughs) Um, yes that's a segue right there (laughs) so in the book anne's parents are divorced and are, are frankly terrible we get this very stereotypical image of the divorcee parents living on opposite sides of the world and i've been in a relationship where there were divorced parents involved and there is a degree of truth to the cliche But I kind of felt that conspiracy took it to a whole new level by putting the parents in literally different countries. Um, I think they're supposed to be in Japan and in America. And cliches are cliches for a reason. Um, You know, that they they are there because these things do happen. Maybe not to the extremes in which we see it in the book. But the parents backstories mean that their locations make sense and the way the writers fit them into the story. I personally found it helped rather than hindered the relationship between Anne um, and both her parents. Um, Bronwyn, how how did you kind of feel about that that relationship with this stereotypical image of the divorcee parents? How did that make you feel?
2: Um, Yeah, that was a really interesting question, actually, because um, eh, I'm coming at it like, you know, I obviously bring a lot of my own personal experience to the table when I look at these questions. And uh, so I I looked at this one and I thought, oh, maybe this is stereotypical, but uh, it's really foreign to my experience, you know, so that I found that kind of difficult to reconcile a little bit. You know, I have family all over the world, including, you know, America and Japan. Um, But I'm I'm really lucky in that we've always been very close and connected. Uh, So it made me feel kind of sad, the idea that this isolation masquerading as family could be considered stereotypical. Um, but I also reminded me of my privilege and kind of made me a, more aware and, and grateful for my family. So that was nice. <laughs> but it also, it did kind of make me think back to um, other other people in my life who have gone through divorces, like where their family, you know, where their parents were divorcing um, and, and how that kind of impacted them and how that that sort of isolation between their parents impacted them and and how you could see that, whether it was that geographical isolation or more just sort of an emotional one. Um, And I feel like in that sense, um, Conspiracy of Ravens really kind of nailed it for doing the stereotypical kind of um, portrayal of the divorced parents and that, that isolation that that can really bring into a family. It using that geographical isolation really highlighted that for me, Mm -hmm. you know, like it really showed that really in a very kind of dramatic way about how they bring different pieces of their lives into it and how that impacts their relationships with, you know, each other and as a family unit and individually between parent and child. And it just, it's a very difficult and complex relationship to then navigate when you have that broken parental relationship to deal with. Right. So I'm grateful that I didn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is, that is true. Jess, how did, how did you kind of feel about the way that that the parents are portrayed? Well, the same thing
1: here. I really don't have, um, any real life experience with it I'm very lucky um, my parents have been together since they were 16 and they're gross and like love each other and like
0: you know they your like. your parents they, are not gross your parents are adorable
1: you have when we're not recording Sarah I'm going to tell you a story about something that they said to me the other day that scarred me for life no okay, I don't, yes. kids, I think don't, don't parents yeah, your parents yeah, are do not ruin exactly. them for okay. me exactly okay kids don't ask your parents questions you don't want answers to <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that is that's that's my advice. advice um that's my <laughs> advice um but yeah so i really don't have a concept of what it's like to not have your parents literally in your face following you making sure you're doing something correctly up your butt all the time <laughs> okay um that's my experience with my parents is that if anything they were over they were like there forever like just there i remember a fun story i cut school one day right don't cut school it's bad but because i was misbehaving and my dad knew that i had been misbehaving he was waiting at the mcdonald's that we walked to for me to get there put us all all not just me he didn't just take his child he took all the other children that he's known forever put us all in his truck and drove us back to school and had Amazing. them give us attention I love it okay so let's just that's how much my parents were there um so yeah so I don't really have that that real life experience but I could say in the book like it really did it gave you this like feeling for this girl like this poor girl who just kind of wants for her parents to just stop it for a minute you know get their stuff together and you know do this, and they're screaming and they're yelling, and her dad's not really listening to her because he's over, you know, somewhere. And Where is he? He's in, where is he? where's he? Where's the dad?
0: I think he's in America. I think he's the, supposed to be yeah, like, like filming, a a filming a movie in, movie. Yeah, in America. Yeah,
1: filming a movie in America. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's just on the phone. And he's like, you got to sign the paperwork. But it, it, you know, it does, though, go along with all the other kids' stories that I've read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. So it does, you know, it sets it up pretty well, I think, for what then goes on in the book and the amount of time that she is allowed to be by herself Mm. you know what I mean like without them being somewhere and not paying attention and arguing with each other they would probably know what she was doing (laughs) but they don't Um, so yeah no I thought it was interesting they do give you the feeling it is I guess the stereotype again I don't really know so um, for me it did it did um, what's the word I'm at a loss god darn it (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a loss it did um instill that feeling to me that they mm. were you know gone yeah. and, and missing yeah. and at this kind of freedom even though she was at a boarding school to kind of escape and do mystical things yeah. and uh, yeah
2: oh sorry just to kind of build on that because i think you made a really good point there Jess. is that a lot of these books where you have children who have this sort of sense of agency where they have to kind of go and take care of the monster themselves there isn't a lot of understanding of why the parent isn't there Mm. but in this case there it was there was and it seemed like a Mm -hmm. reasonable and kind of rational explanation for for the sort of parental absenteeism you know Um, and so it felt more natural and I actually really liked that
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. I think I think they do they do a good reason you know they, they, they give good explanations as to why the parents act the way that they act um, which kind of brings me on to the next question which is to do with the way that they the way that they use Anne to argue with each other and they kind of push her into the center of the fights and uh, from my experience this is a thing that happens a hundred percent and it is not nice to see and it's not nice to be involved in. And I'm sure that it's not true for everyone. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that my own experiences of divorce or step parenting are, are everyone's experiences. But I can kind of see the truth in this idea of the child being used as a pawn in the parents game. Um, obviously, not having lived that experience yourselves. How did you kind like what how did that how did that sit with you um, in in the story, Bronwyn? If I can come to you first, how did that make you feel about the parents and the way that Am is kind of used by them?
2: Well, as you said, like I haven't specifically gone through that myself, but I've definitely seen some of my friends go through it, um, which is is sad, obviously. You know, um, you know, relationships can be messy at the best of times, and none of us are at our smartest or most mature when our hearts are breaking, but it's still pretty much the worst to see children who are really the only innocence in a marriage get drawn into things that they ultimately should be protected from by the very people who should be protecting them, you know? Um, And I, I, it's hard. It's hard because like I said, people are just not, not at their best. And, and you, you kind of, as a child expect your parents to be flawless. You know, you, it, and it's part of that transition from childhood into adulthood, where you you learn that your parents are people and not parents. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that yep. that uh, and that transition can be rough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's good. It's good because ultimately, I think you can have a more complicated and more um, um, meaningful relationship with them once you realize that they're human too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but human means flawed, and mm-hmm. uh, and some of those flaws can come out in very poor behavior under stressful situations, you know. And mm-hmm. I think it's a uh, divorcing um, can be the one of the most stressful situations, and I've certainly seen it um, sort of from the periphery, where where you know divorcing parents try and and <sighs> and not in any kind of. Not in any kind of, like, cruel way, but definitely end up pitting, trying to pit their child against each other. And that is so unfair mm. and so mm. sad to see. But mm-hmm. it is not apparently that uncommon. So yeah. this really <laughs> felt authentic, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. so, uh, Jessica, it was rough. you're agreeing
1: that it. you want
0: to... Yeah, yeah,
1: me? I agree. I, per, again, personally haven't, haven't ever experienced this myself. But unfortunately, I do have friends and we are at the age where half of our friends are probably divorced. Um, And that's, <laughs> you know, sadly, the truth. Um, And I have seen friends or their significant others really use their children against one another and for me as someone who does not have children i know it's hard to say like i wouldn't do that or you wouldn't do that because i don't know because i don't really have a child but i can say i'm pretty sure that i would never do some of the things to my children that i've seen done to children through divorces um because I, I've, I've seen that firsthand. I've seen people get really ugly and use their kids. And it's really just like kind of disgusted me in a way that I didn't think I could be disgusted. Like I was like, wow, yeah. this is, you know, it, it brings it up to a level of messed up that I just don't um, really like. So I didn't really like that about the, her parents in this book. You know what I mean? I didn't like the, you know, in between. Like y- you have to come together, I think, for your kids to set goals. A decent example of how you have to act in the real world you know what i mean you don't like that's it's the truth you're gonna have to deal with people you don't like uh, you know sit next to somebody you don't like you know you're always gonna have to deal with these people so i think when parents kind of use their kids back and forth it doesn't really set a great um precedence for what they're going to deal with in the rest of their life you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah or how they should go bad when parents are um, bad. But yeah, no. And yeah. that's because I've really seen it. I've seen like some I am not, you know, never say any names, but I've seen some really yucky things. Mm. So, you know, which
0: which kind of answers the next question that I would put down, which is, do you think that divorced parents are like this in real life? Or is this just a cliche utilized by books and movies? I mean, from from my own experience and from seeing other people's experiences, like I said earlier cliches are cliches for a reason people put stuff into books and movies because it happens in real life and people can be mean and people can be small-minded and they may not realize what they're doing or the effect it's having on people around them but you know I've I've seen parents use their children to start arguments to end arguments to just generally be mean um Mm -hmm. And I think very much from my perspective, that's kind of where that question came from. Was that it, it isn't even a question for me? Yes, this does happen in real life. People are like this in real life, and it is horrible and unfortunate. But real life is messy. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes horrible and unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah unfortunately so um so if we kind of if we move on from sort of the parental aspect um to something that's tangentially related which is the idea of a boarding school <laughs> um now boarding schools were were very kind of romanticized in my childhood it was this it was this idea that you you went off a child and you came back an adult and it was this amazing experience um i've never been to a boarding school i have known people in my life that did go and generally the prevailing opinion from the people that i knew that went to boarding schools is that actually they were kind of worse than the versions shown in books and movies Um, and there was always bullying happening and there were always cliques and alliances being formed and broken and formed and broken all over the place and generally from the people that i know who've gone to boarding school it just sounded quite terrible to me um but that didn't make any difference to this very romanticised idea I had in my childhood that I just wanted to go off to a boarding school because all of the best adventures in books <laughs> happened to people in boarding schools who didn't have any adult supervision. Um, so, Jess, I'll start with you. Did you ever attend a boarding school? And do you think the reality of it would be more or less like the way it is portrayed in books, specifically in Conspiracy?
1: Yeah, have I just talked about my parents and how they had to yeah. beat up my my yeah. booty at all times? Yeah, we were not going. I wasn't even allowed to go to camp. Okay, I never <laughs> even got to go to camp. And like, that's the other thing. Like, in American books, it's not normally boarding school. A lot of its camp. Okay. And everything good happens at camp. And yeah, no, no, I didn't get to boarding school or camp. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, other kids would probably die for. I'm, I am mean, I shouldn't be upset about that, but you know what I mean. When you you always want what you don't have, so mm-hmm. I always wanted to go to camp and boarding school and you know go away and and live on my own, and it would be a magical place where I could do this and magic would happen. La la la. No, yeah, yeah. So yeah, did I totally? <laughs> none of that. Yeah, none. I got none of that. <laughs>
2: Ah, uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> rural Ontario didn't have so much by way of boarding school. <laughs> uh, um, I, you know, I think the closest I came. I did. I did spend a month abroad in my grade 11 year, and uh, I spent October in Japan visiting family. Uh, and so I worked independently on my high school classes, but that's about the closest I could come to boarding school um, in terms of how I think it would compare to real life well i do i imagine there would be sadly fewer corvid themed magically enhanced superhero troops in real life but i
0: can always (laughs) dream (laughs) this is true this is true um we go to adult boarding school (laughs) right
2: i you know i mean it was i'm I'm not gonna lie it was pretty magical to spend a month in japan when i was in high school that was pretty amazing um but yeah definitely not uh not magical in the same sense
0: <laughs> yeah no i think unfortunately once you once you kind of hit um adulthood m- magic just kind of disappears a bit i also mm-hmm. think that's the saddest thing i've ever said
2: i was gonna <laughs> say <laughs> i think it was really on us to find the magic yeah. and stuff yeah I think that's why we um, read these
0: books yeah so uh, th- th- kind of the, the idea that i had in my childhood of of you know you, you go off to boarding school and it Turns out that actually you're a secretly a princess, or you've got magical powers, or the boy that you sit next to in class that falls in love with you happens to be a handsome prince. And there was this kind of idea of being like the chosen one. Um, and like, I 100% wished that I was a secret princess, or had a long lost relative that met me, that left me a mansion, or that I met a handsome prince in disguise. Um, and I will say, now that I am older and I've seen how, and I've seen how like the media treats people. <laughs> For example, the frankly horrible way the British media have treated Meghan Markle. Mm. I, Welcome to I Canada. Would, <laughs> yeah, I would be quite happy pootling along, being an NPC in someone else's story. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Bronwyn, I'll go to you first. Did you did you want to be the chosen one growing up, or or would you be perfectly happy just being like a side character or an npc so
2: you know i think everybody at some point in their childhood has probably had that dream of being the chosen one and i'm no exception i definitely did you know i i would read these books and i would i would want to be the 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 kid who falls through the portal and finds themselves in the unicorn land and stuff you know Uh, but it happened young That that shifted Uh, definitely at or just before puberty, (laughs) where I stopped picturing myself in the primary role. And I definitely started picturing myself um, as the why don't we go with Grand Vizier as opposed to the? Yeah, I'm definitely more of somebody who puts themselves in the second in command. I, I like being the voice behind the curtain, <laughs> pulling so, the strings. Of... So, so what you're saying is you're Jafar. I'm
0: Jafar. 100%. Nice. Yeah. Amazing.
2: More all seeing, less being seen. Very me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's definitely me. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the wizard behind the curtain.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's a corking way of putting it. Um, Jess, are you the chosen one or are you pulling the strings?
1: So thirteen-year-old me, I was totally Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Okay, I was totally Amazing. gonna wake up and I was gonna be a witch, and everything would be changing, and I could change my hair color and da 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 da. Yeah, okay, that was my thirteen-year-old dream. Me now, dude, that's a lot of pressure. I'm good. <laughs> like I'm good. Like just hanging out. Like maybe I could, you know, um, just hang out on the sidelines, you know, I could be one of the weird sisters, you know, it just, I don't really want to have that much power (laughs) because I'm good on that because with great power comes great responsibility and I don't want any of your responsibility. Okay. (laughs) Pretty much my feeling on that. Um, so yeah, 13 year old me totally wanted to fall through the portal, wake up a witch, be a princess whatever it was me now i'm good i'm good (laughs) good
0: yep amazing um now one of the things that the back matter of the book mentions basically explains that conspiracy of ravens came around because of a commission piece that john repian got sally thompson to do which um it was kind of The commission piece and then the book itself was described as Sailor Moon meets Edgar Allan Poe. Um, Now, shocking revelation time from Sarah. I have literally no experience of Sailor Moon. I've never (gasps) seen it. I have i know i know it's How? on the list what? it's on the How? list of shame what um so, How? so for me my style is 100 percent poe i love a bit of edgar allen i think that a lot of my um bizarre romanticized ideals come from the likes of poe which probably isn't normal but hey that's just me um uh-huh. Jess, given given the fact that you are aghast at my lack of Sailor Moon, are you more Sailor Moon or more Poe? So Edgar Poe is
1: what happened to me in high school. Okay. <laughs> Um you know, that's what happened to me in high Quote school. the raven. I, <laughs> I actually have a pillow. I have a pillow that says nevermore on my my chair. <laughs> if you come into my house. It just says nevermore. And I actually worked with somebody that didn't understand that reference and it frightened me. Um <laughs> I'm like, oh honey, like please read. Um <laughs> but that's not saying that I didn't watch a fair amount of Sarah Moon. Um <laughs> I can't, you know, I told you there was a drastic switch once high school hit. Um, But actually, I remember watching Sailor Moon in high school with a bunch I of my friends. Tried. It wasn't like out of the ordinary. We were a bunch of like nerds sitting in the back of a classroom reading comic books quietly, um, you know, watching Sailor Moon. Tuxedo and Mask was a little gothy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, You know, there was a little goth in there. Um, but yeah so I, I i think now i'm i'm more of the poe end of the spectrum but you know a little sailor
0: moon is always good too did, did we just invent a new spectrum for people to appear on oh my god i'm so this is
2: me this is me this is me <laughs>
0: Go on, when Sailor Moon or Poe. Oh,
2: my God. You cannot make me choose this. This is me. This is I'm on this. Spe- this is my spectrum.
0: <laughs> she's all the colors
1: of the rainbow. So, oh, my
2: God, I am Magical Girl Poe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am 99% certain that's the first time that's ever been said. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of the stuff that we say here is heard it here heard it original. <laughs> yes that is, that is true there's not a huge amount of people that are us I mean, <laughs> um,
2: like okay what I actually wrote down was if I have to choose between them I have to say Sailor Moon but my ideal aesthetic is definitely on the spectrum between them gothy Sailor Moon with ravens I'm all in <laughs> <laughs> I like that you use spectrum as well
1: right? <laughs> that's it's amazing. to
0: for me Vibing so hard. That's absolutely <laughs> awesome. I feel like we need some kind of visual just just to explain this spectrum to people who... <laughs> like have, what goes in between. Yeah. <laughs> What's in between Edgar and But the people po. that don't appear on it. Um, I need a Snapchat people. filter
2: that you can slide the spectrum from Magical Girl, Sailor
0: Moon to Poe. <laughs> and back. Yes. <laughs> um, especially somebody make that who is, happen <laughs> who is currently just a hundred percent poe um so kind of talking about sliding spectrums um again random segues i'm going to talk about color now because obviously edgar Allan poe we're, we're kind of leaning him into the whole you know victorian gothic kind of ideal um but the fact that they reference sailor moon my entire knowledge of sailor moon is based on stuff i've seen on twitter and also the fact that jen bartell did a sailor moon coloring book which says to me it's very colorful because Mm -hmm. jen bartell and muted palettes just they just don't mesh in my world um but the color palette of conspiracy is very muted and i i love the the blue tones of the book it really reminded me, and I'm just going to be so very British again right now. <laughs> it reminded me of comics I used to read at my nan's house that had been my mum's books growing up. So um, books like Bunty, which probably doesn't mean anything to the two of you. it's It's a very classic style. It's very British. And although we see the main characters using modern technology, they have mobile phones, they use the Internet. For me, it gives the book a very timeless or almost out of time feel Um, and it kind of adds to the layers of history that we read into the book because we see each of the dissimulations getting together and and not just the current one. Um, Bronwyn, how did you feel that that the color palette affected the delivery of the story? Because you are our resident color fanatic. (laughs) That is true. Um, Yeah, I mean,
2: At first, when I when I picked it up, and I and I opened it, and I saw that it was all just kind of this one muted tone, I thought, Oh, is this going to be my aesthetic? You know, it took me a little bit to kind of wrap my head around that I'm not gonna lie. But as I got into it and I started reading the story, I really feel like, as you said, that color palette sets a mood and that mood is really important to how this story comes across. Um, I don't think that the story would be the same without Mm. it, to be honest. Mm. It does give it a sense of timelessness. It does not take it out of time because there are definitely things that center you in our time period, as you said, like some of the electronics and the internet and things like that, but it does Give you a broader spectrum, a b- broader sense of time, like um, allowing you to kind of bring in some of the uh, historical aspects of it, right? The the, the previous dissimulation characters, their uh, their costumes, um, the masquerade party really fits in with this, and it and it all flows very naturally. I think in part because we have this sense of timelessness that is very much part of this mood that's set by this this more muted palette. Hmm. Um, it just I think a more vibrant palette would have pushed the aesthetic too far Sailor Moon and not enough (laughs) Poe you know and it just um, we would have lost some of the gravitas not that there's a ton and I don't want it to come across like there is this is a, a fun book it's a nice book it's an easy read and not in a simplistic way in a you know you don't need to take it seriously way but just in a accessibility way, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely moments where the the tone is a little bit more serious, like you want to take this point of the story seriously. You want this to be like a oh no moment or a oh, what's going to happen moment or you know. And if the book was more vibrant in color, I think that
0: that would have been harder to achieve with the story that's that's interesting because that wasn't even a way that i'd looked at it i hadn't even kind of thought of it like that i, th- I think i had these very sort of rose tinted glasses on with this nostalgia idea of sitting in my mum's old bedroom at my nan's house reading these these old bunties and jackies and other random books that we'll
2: <laughs> sorry you're glass. so british
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yes yeah yes
0: i I love you
2: so much that was just oh my god okay
0: continue (laughs) uh no no i think i'm going to let jess talk now about (laughs) muted color palettes and how they affect the delivery of the story because (laughs) i feel like i'm just being persecuted for my britishness
2: no we love your britishness it's amazing but it's it's just, so
0: very painful
2: sometimes. No, it's just it is very obvious sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jess, oh, take over. Help me out. I don't
1: here. even. Where do I even go from? Here?
0: I don't. Um, know. A
1: muted color palette. Okay, I I agree with B. I think I think it is very good for the delivery of the story. It kind of does give it that older feel. Um, I do, however, like that they do let you know when you're going back and they they just dip to a gray um, where they take out the blue. And that's like a brilliant uh, Mm -hmm. way to do it because you're not really you're just removing that blue color from it. So, you know, it's different without it being like jarring or really in your face. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I did enjoy that. I like that, you know, when they're looking back in time by just the gray. Um, But, yeah, I think like you said, it would be a little hard if this was, like, color, color, color. It's not really a story that needs an in-your-face color th- happening. It's it's not that kind of thing. Where it does have, like, a Sailor Moon thing to it, it is, again, like we said, crossed with that kind of Poe or that kind of, like, almost gothic style. Um, it does have a very gothic feel once you get to the actual manner, you know, like all of the dresses and the stuff that are downstairs and kind of, um, the clothes that they're wearing. And, and it does, it gives you, um, a very gothic feel to it. So I think the color palette works perfectly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: you mocked me
2: for being Aww, I'm Oh, I'm sorry, honey. Man. I love it.
0: So, <laughs> I put a tweet out about the book um, and I tagged John Repian and Leah Moore in it. But I didn't actually tag Sally Jane Thompson, who was the artist on the book, because um, basically I couldn't find her Twitter handle because it it isn't what I was expecting it to be. Um, But John Repian tweeted back to us that the book was mostly Sally Jane Thompson, which kind of brings up the whole artist and writer art versus artist viewing the work as a whole production thing. Um, I was lucky enough to attend a lecture from Kieran Gillen a couple of weeks ago, who shameless plug, you can see on our YouTube channel being interviewed at New York comic-con last year with his regular partner in crime, uh, Jamie McKelvey, hashtag shameless plug. And <laughs> at, at this lecture, Kieran opened by saying to writers, you are a parasite the artist does not need you now he was being incredibly tongue-in-cheek and to the best of my understanding he got a lot of flack on social media for that which is sad because he made it very very clear that you know this this was a joke and um that he wasn't actually calling writers parasites but anyway um when you look at kind of full script versus marvel method there's a really clear difference between what the artist is told to do and what they actually do and we we can have the writer versus artist conversation as many times as we like but for essentially for me it boils down to this they are both storytellers and they both contribute to the story in their own way and they're both needed for that story to be told Um, so Jess, I'm going to go to you on this one first. How do you view the difference between the work of the artist and the writer, or do you view it as a whole production from the team? So again, like you could debate this forever,
1: forever. Okay. Um, but as someone that has to, um, work in the commercial art space. Okay. So I don't know if I've ever explained on here how it kind of works but if you come to me i'm a graphic designer okay i'm not trying to make what i want to make for you i'm trying to take your idea bring it to life in the most aesthetically pleasing way possible okay so and i that's kind of what i think about with what comic book artists i've never been a comic book artist so we don't really know but speaking from my experience as a commercial artist is that's what i think that they're probably doing as well and i do believe that you need both halves okay and i think both halves are equal um but in the end i think what the artist is trying to do and it may you know and it and and it's difficult let me tell you sometimes it's very difficult um depending on who you're working with to be able to have bring someone someone's idea to life in the form of art okay Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, I, I, I think I, I normally view it as a whole um myself because I think that there's both sides there. There's a writer who's directing what his vision of his story is. And then there's an artist that's directing his vision of his, you know, trying to bring <laughs> that that direction to life. Hmm. Um, So and that's always how I kind of look at it. And that's just my personal perspective from the way I do my my job. Um you know, like I said, it, it it can be, um, it can be very easy, and some people can let you make whatever you want, and it can be very hard, and some people are very, specific, blah, 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 blah very specific, and well, you know, don't always understand, um. Uh, that there are limitations in art too, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure um, it's a good fun time creating comic books but yeah again I, I just think it's a whole um, you have to look at it as a whole and when people even when people tell me like oh you made this beautiful design for me I'm like well no it's your design that I brought to life and that's what I try to explain to people because I wouldn't have made that like listen I'm not going to sit here and make a logo with bananas in it you know what I mean like that's has does not pop into my mind until you contract me out to make that logo Mm-hmm. you know so yeah i think it's a give and take
0: that makes sense um mm-hmm. brahman as as a uh much like me a non-artist um... <laughs> yeah definitely a no non-artist <laughs>
1: no that's um, not
2: true you guys well <laughs> fair enough <laughs> non-visual artist in this context um yeah i okay so sarah when you were talking about your the master class with kieran gillen you mm-hmm. said something about um something he said about how um, if our writer can't sort of communicate with an artist, they should write prose. Yes. Mm. And that really stuck with me because I think that that is just on the nose. That's exactly right. Um, I think if you're going to be in the medium uh, in something like comics where it is such a visual medium, You need to go into it with the idea that this is a collaborative effort, Hmm. you know, and as Jess said, from both sides, of course, and I think it is a whole, and it's not even just writer and art team, there's letterer, there's colorer, and everybody Mm -hmm. brings so much Mm to the... And the editor, like like this whole team is coming together to make this product. And as somebody whose visual acuity is not amazing, I can tell you <laughs> that the letterer is starting to make a real big impact on my ability to enjoy a book. So <laughs> I'm really paying attention to that now. I'm not going to lie. Something I didn't really necessarily notice as much in the past, but whoo, I notice now. <laughs> um So, you know, I think with a medium like comics, it's not really possible to separate the story and the art, especially once they're together. They need each other for it to be complete. Mm. Um, You know, that said, this particular story for me was definitely one that couldn't exist without the art. So I think I kind of know where where maybe where John was coming from when he said that. Yeah, Um, like the it the story was so driven by the art for me, by the color palette, by the aesthetic of the characters, by the aesthetic of the, the backgrounds and the, uh, the nature of the costumes and just all of it was very visual for me. Yeah. So I think that the story itself would have suffered significantly without being in as part of a visual medium. So if, you know, for some reason this collaborative effort had fallen apart and John had said you know what no I'm going to write prose I probably would not have made it through this book
0: yeah that makes sense um I mean you know as, as I said for me it, it, they're both needed they're both storytellers um and the art was a huge part of this book for me because it did give me that very nostalgic feel um, now, I want to pick up here, if that's OK, on something that you mentioned when we were, when we were talking spoiler free earlier, Brahman, which is about the rear cover of the book and the fact that it's got colour images of some of the characters mm-hmm. um, and how that colour image maybe differentiates from what your expectations of them were based on the interior art. And the thing that really struck me was their hair colour. And I really appreciated seeing each of the characters in colour because it gave me a greater feel for them as individuals. But what it didn't do, it didn't make me want to see a full colour book. I I very much enjoyed the, the muted colour palette that we got. And whilst I appreciated seeing the color the, the colours, the characters in colour, it didn't make me think... Oh, I really wish the whole book had been like this. Um, um, So Bronwyn, would you like to kind of maybe expand a bit more on on what you said earlier about seeing them in colour and and how it affected your enjoyment of the book?
2: I think you actually hit the nail exactly on the head. That was very much how I felt was this seeing them in colour was just, it reconfirmed how they looked in my brain. It was sort of like seeing this picture was just like, yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's yes. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Correct. Uh, uh, but but I did not want all of that in the whole book. I just hmm. was really happy to see it. It was uh, because it made me feel good, like I had pictured them correctly. It's like ha ha ha, ha nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Winning. <laughs> I did. I I had a little moment of oh, I did it right. <laughs> I don't know where that came from exactly, but it was it was, I may feel good, you know, <laughs> mm. <I'm laughs> but 100% yeah, fine. We want you to feel good. Right. But yeah, no, it, it actually reconfirmed for me how much I had started to enjoy that that color palette, which, again, is very sort of counter to my natural mm. aesthetics. So um, it stood out.
0: Awesome. Jess, what about you? How did you feel about the kind of the characters in color as it were? honestly I am like hundred percent with Brahman.
1: I was like, yeah, yeah, that looks pretty spot on. Actually, that's what I wrote. I actually think that looked pretty spot on. Um, <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah, I was okay with it, but I, again, I'm um, same thing. I'm like, I, I felt no need for the rest of the book to be in color though. I mm-hmm. thought it was cute. I thought that was adorable. I thought it was pretty spot on. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed, I think I enjoy the book better in the monochromatic tone that they did, um, yeah. that it was not full color.
0: So, yeah. Cool. Um, I want to touch on some of the other characters in the book, if, if we may. Um, and one of the ones that really <laughs> stuck out for me was William Adder. He was just, I just found him instantly creepy. He's kind of like a baddie from like a hammer horror movie or a carry on movie. Um, and like, he's so obviously the baddie even before he turns into literal snakes and the way that he's super creepy to Anne the first time that he meets her I just found it really weird and off-putting um Jess what was your first impression of of William Adder
1: well um since I only know the Hammer Horror movies, I'm not really sure what the Carry
0: On movies were. Oh, oh my gosh, you don't know the Carry On movies. No, I don't know if we got them here. I know the Hammer Horror. That is, Are I, you actually joking? I'm
1: I sorry, need... I don't know them either. Yeah, okay. I don't think they were so, they made it here. Um, okay,
0: so I just have to briefly explain. The Carry On movies were basically, there's like a hundred of these films. They were made in sort of the 60s and 70s, and they're very... Um, very camp British humour and lots of innuendos and um, innuendos and that kind of thing <laughs> and it's no honestly that is genuinely what it's like and you had you had carry on doctor and carry on nurse and carry on camping and just absolutely yeah, ridiculous. We did not have those. <laughs> Um, we never had those i know the hammer horrors
1: like because those are standard like i think horror movie monsters yeah, I, you know I what will, i i mean? will
0: um i will put some links in to uh some clips from the carry-on movies because they basically encapsulate the kind of british humor of the 1970s um and this very sort of camp inoffensive gently mocking sort of tone that um i very much get from a lot of british media but william adder does kind of have this slightly over the top slightly camp (laughs) carry on kind of yeah i i
1: i actually saw that he reminded me almost of like a scooby-doo villain like you know like he put with his Singing, you know, like no, don't go in the bands. <laughs> I would have you gotten know. away with it. It wasn't for your kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that's kind of how he struck me. I don't know. I wasn't that afraid of him. To be honest, I was like, this guy is really flamboyant with his. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's um, you know, like hello, kids. I don't know. I wanted him to have like. A cane, and, and <laughs> me. did he have a cane? I don't think he had a cane. I like, I, but I wanted him to have one. And it, I feel like somebody had a cane. I feel like somebody had a cane.
0: Uh, we we will we will come on to Colonel Barnabas in a moment. Colonel uh, Barnabas had a there cane. there we go. That's it. That's who had the cane. And I'm like,
1: yeah, but yeah, he reminded me of a Scooby-Doo villain, to be honest with you. That's kind of where he sat with me.
0: And that's a hundred percent fine because that totally fits. <laughs> um, what about you, Roman? How did how did you find Mr. Abba? Oh, well, like, I mean, he was totally a
2: smarmadon from get-go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is his face in the panel right after uh, Anne is meeting Colonel Barnabas. Colonel oh, my gosh, why can't I say that? Yes. Colonel Barnabas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, is so great. He goes from, like, smiling, like, oh, yes, I'm going to smooth talk my way in here to... Like, yeah. like full on pout, you know? Yeah. And it's
1: amazing, and I love it. He reminded me of a Doctor Who villain. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. You know? He could totally fit right in there, in those like early seasons when they rebooted it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm even thinking like. You want to go eat
2: uh, the yes, Five something? Doctors era, you know? Yeah, I mean, oh, yes.
1: Even, I was even thinking, like, you know, like, when the mannequins were melting in that first episode, like, I was like, oh, yeah, he could fit right in there somewhere, yeah, you doctor. know? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like the reboot's even just a little too scary for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: okay. Maybe he's just a little too. <laughs> he
0: was just terrible.
2: Yeah, he was uh, He was something else. I, uh, I enjoyed it, though. I thought he was funny. Hmm. I... Definitely didn't get maybe the same sense of uh, uh, of menace that perhaps he was trying for. But I I, I, I enjoyed him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're trying real hard, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Good
0: job. <laughs> so close. <laughs> I, I did also appreciate the fact that he had kind of um, bumbling sidekicks who were... <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, Frank was useless. Yeah, that's do.
1: You know, <laughs> that's what brought me to the Scooby Doo is there's always like one bumbling bad guy that's oh, the goon off to the side. You know, like mm. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, we would have got away with this. You know, <laughs> would you though?
0: Would you really? <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of sticking with um, sticking with random characters. I also just want to mention um colonel barnabas the fact that he calls her a gal i just i just it gave me his accent immediately he's like the kindly uncle that was in the navy and calls any unmarried female a gal and like unironically calls people old bean and sport um (laughs) And like he means well, but he is so firmly rooted in the past and he probably avoids newfangled technology and drinks good wine and he's a roast dinner every Sunday. I've just I've got him in my head um, yes. and exactly the way that he speaks. Did, did that kind of come across for for the two of you? I I got him like in he came across as one of
2: two very distinct character types like right. he would have a deep plummy voice either way but he's either like a clue character you know upper crust <laughs> British or <Yes>. deep south <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was going to be one or the other <laughs>
1: he,
2: he was going to be you know the, the colonel from uh, I, I don't know like I don't know like Kentucky Fried Chicken colonel or something like that or <laughs> like the clue <laughs> character like full on
0: yes he is, he is 100% Colonel Mustard for me. <laughs> um, Jess, what about you? How did how did you? How
1: I just you saw focus? the. Did you guys have like the Monopoly commercials <laughs> when you were
0: younger? He is the you know, Monopoly man. He is the Monopoly man. Okay. Oh, my God. He's the Monopoly, the, the Monopoly man. That's <laughs> <girl. laughs> <laughs> all he's. Monopoly man. I am the Monopoly man.
1: Hello, girl. are you? Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty, pretty much that. that. Yes. That's, that's all yeah. I had in my head. Yeah. Yep. Oh, maybe, maybe
0: a little <laughs> Mr. p <Peanut>. amazing <laughs> um, so sticking with um, other characters from the book who maybe aren't members of the dissimulation I just want to touch on Eve for a moment I really love the character of Eve I think she's super sweet um, and the question that I put to the ladies is when did you realise that Eve was maybe more than she seemed or when did you realise she was a robot because for me there was like a real immediate sense that there was something off with her it's it was kind of the way that she was shown moving the highlights on her cheeks, um, the way that her eyes always just looked a little bit too bright and wide. Mm -hmm. Um, and frankly, the pessimist in me wants to say that her demeanor is just a little bit too chirpy for someone who lives (laughs) alone in a creepy old house. I just, it just, it kind of struck me that there was something not quite right about her. Um, (laughs) Bromen when when did you get a sense that there was there was more to Eve than met the eye I mean, I'm with
2: you on that one. I, I knew she was uh, something else from the get go, uh, especially the moment she climbs the Nan's window. That really yes. kind of, been, you know, gave me a little <laughs> kind of inkling. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'm not, I, I just, I really didn't specifically figure out robot at all until they specifically said so, because I was really thinking in a magic direction. Uh, you know, I thought maybe golem or something or, or, uh, You know totally like you know magic construct of some kind Mm. entirely but um that that she was an automaton i did not see coming so that actually surprised me i was i i was pleasantly surprised um i thought that was a lot of fun but yeah i she was definitely definitely
0: something else (laughs) (laughs) something slightly different i i actually really appreciated the fact that they made her um made her an automaton rather than going down the magic route because that that kind of felt like um like quite clever story writing for me Mm -hmm. because you didn't expect it you didn't expect her to be this kind of robot cyborg automaton call her what you will um jess what about you when did when did you (coughs) get when did you get little warning from eve
1: yeah I, I said that I, what I wrote too was right away you can tell something is kind of off with her I mean she so, <laughs> she shows up through a window and then, <laughs> then she starts talking about how she's forbidden to hurt anyone of the dissimulation um, that gave off like robot vibes to me right away because it was like she was programmed that she cannot hurt anybody oh, in this gosh. little you know yeah that kind of got me like right away the window thing though definitely I was like yeah yeah something's not right with you. Um, Do you the drive driving
0: always climb through windows. Is I that don't, You know.
1: I, I have to say, I'm really not um, that athletic. So getting through a window <laughs> for me <laughs> would be See, a little I, bit more difficult than it was for her.
0: I am <laughs> athletic, but I'm also super clumsy. So again, windows <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm actually now trying to think if I've ever climbed through a window. I think the last time I came anywhere near to climbing through a window was um with you jess on long island when (laughs) we went to certain abandoned buildings oh dear god famous
2: last
1: words for a thousand alex
0: yeah (laughs) yeah so i have
1: i have climbed through those windows (laughs) i have broken into abandoned buildings across the country to take photographs of them um i did not harm anything i did not do anything mean so i it did not so really break any laws other case. than trespassing. Don't break the law. You shouldn't trespass. You shouldn't go into abandoned buildings. But I did. Um, <laughs> did and I have hurt myself many <laughs> a time doing this. <laughs> okay, Dan can tell you I've fallen, I have tripped. It never was pretty. Okay. Oh my God, it was your never
2: next like, care packages including a lot of PPE just yeah, to yeah, fly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, PPE
1: when, personal protective equipment (laughs) never going through a window gracefully like um eve quite did um that was a bit of ease for her to be up that high and going through a window um i don't know where i am Um,
0: yeah sorry i did throw a slight curveball in (laughs) with the the going through the windows i forgot we did Um, that but but at least we can all agree on the fact that um that there was there was something off about eve from the get-go um i just yeah it just the first time i read it it struck me i was like "Mm, this doesn't seem quite right you're far too happy to be living in this creepy old house on your own (laughs) i love that that's
2: the thing that got you that's amazing
0: (laughs) i mean you're not wrong i just i love that that's the thing (laughs) we have a lot of creepy old houses in the uk mm. um and generally if you live in one of them you're either incredibly rich or completely insane so you <laughs> both. Uh, both often both um yeah we we have we have a lot of uh, eccentrics let's call them that um another thing like a really really tangential character was the white raven and the king And John Repian, who who wrote part of this book, he produces regular Folklore Thursday pieces on Twitter. And I, just from the two or three pages we get telling us the story of the White Raven, the King, I would love to see that story told, like, fully fleshed out into a full graphic novel or, or even just sort of like a one shot about the white Raven, and the King, because mm-hmm. that kind of gives us the start of the story that we finish in this book. Bronwyn, how did, how did you feel about the white Raven and the King? Would you, would you want more of those or is it just like just perfect as it is for you?
2: Oh no, hells yes. I would be so down for that. Um, I really thought the white Raven would make more of an appearance in this one, actually, uh, since she kind of acts as a guide for Anne. I, uh, I definitely, definitely would be down for more White Raven story. I thought that was such an interesting character. Um, Yeah, underutilized even. But although I can can understand that. Why? Because as such an interesting character, if you then open that door, it would probably take over to some degree, right? So um, as a a prequel one shot, as you said, or or an entirely fleshed out story, I would be. I would be very much interested in following up on that one because that just seemed like such an interesting little throwaway, you know?
0: Mm, I love me a good fairy tale, I will be honest. (laughs) Me too. Um, I I might be... how old am I? 37? Am I 37? (laughs) Yeah, let's go with that. I might be 37 years old, but I still love fairy tales and maybe one day it will turn out that I actually am a princess. Um, Jess, what did you think about the Rabbit? I will happily be your fairy godmother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree. I, I would totally read that. I would totally read it. And in, in any form you want to make it a prequel, you want to make it a full book. I'm in, I'm picking it up. I'm buying it. Here's my money. Okay. That's just, okay. <laughs> I would, that was the way I thought about it. I was like, no, nope, no, nope, take my money. Just take my money. I would totally read that. I thought that was very interesting. I do agree with Bronwyn though. I think if they went too deep. Into that in this book, it would almost take over the plot and it would be a little bit too much and too heavy for it. So I think the way they did utilize it was pretty good. But would I love to read more? Yes. Yes, I will. Mm
0: -hmm. I will. I I will highly recommend to anyone listening that that you follow John Rapian on Twitter because he does do these Folklore Thursday pieces where he sort of does a bit of writing and then as an artist that he works with whose name i'm afraid escapes me but i'll pop it in the show notes who then um illustrates it and for example they did one recently where they told the entire story of beowulf in a three-panel comic Wow, that's pretty cool that's impressive it was it was amazing i mean Beowulf you isn't know. exactly a short story. So. No, no. And, and, and that, <laughs> was, that was kind of the genius of, of the piece of writing that yeah. they produced and the arts was outstanding. But Beowulf is, is one of those kind of things that, you know, you study when you're British and you kind of unpick it into its absolute finite pieces and to see it broken down and encapsulated in three panels of a comic was just absolutely brilliant and also they do they do kind of lots of random little bits and pieces that I've never heard of and and touch on folklore that that I haven't come across before and it just reminds me that there is so much out there that I don't know and the way that they kind of break it down and, and make it easily accessible for people I think is absolutely superb so if you don't already follow John Repian then you know give him a follow because he's a super chap the antithesis of super chaps <laughs> let's uh-huh. talk about teenage girls uh-huh. um, do you like how I did that one that was nice yeah, I like I that a lot yeah. um, see what you did there see what you did so we've talked before about bullying and how awful teenage girls can be and one of the questions that I that I wanted to know is how do you feel about Felicity and her change of heart when she becomes part of the dissimulation so obviously Felicity is this kind of stereotypical mean girl she's popular she's got her little clique of friends daddy obviously spoils her rotten Um, and she kind of has a bit of a change in her personality when she joins the dissimulation And, and up until this point she's very very dismissive of um of anne and all of anne's friends um especially binky which i think is incredibly unfair because she's an absolute sweetheart Jess, how did you feel about Felicity and her change of heart when she joined the dissimulation?
1: I thought it was very um, teenage girl trope-ish a little bit. Like, you know, I don't know. You always have that kind of one girl that's that's kind of uh, the... the mean girl of the group, right, that at the end has a change of heart and kind of goes. And, you know, teenage girls, like, even the nice ones, we all they all stink, okay? <laughs> like, let's, let's be honest. Let's not digress too far, but we're all too awful. But yeah, I thought, it, you know, I was happy to see. I, I kind of knew she would coming into it, because that kind of is what happens in these kind of stories. I don't want to, you know what I mean? And not that it's bad, or that it doesn't go with the story. I'm not saying that in any way, but I already had an idea that once you know you knew she was part of this that she was going to change her tune to the other girl something would happen um you know that that they would become friends and and kind of start working together instead against each other so yeah
0: Broman, what about you
2: okay so i had some thoughts <laughs> what we're we here for this is a bit of a tough one you know we've talked about this a lot being a teenager sucks Um, and I think it's way worse if you're seriously being bullied Um, Felicity is portrayed as more of a mean girl uber snob than a true bully to me uh, which is why she gets a bit of a pass on the bullying thing but honestly I don't really see much of a change of heart in her Um, No, not as much, uh, so much as her rolling with her new circumstances, reluctantly at best. Of the new dissimulation, she's the most petulant, she's the most resentful, she never really presents as willingly part of the group, and she isn't exactly thrilled by her new powers uh, or the social circle they come with. She doesn't welcome the girls to her party, and she's still referring to Binky as the scholarship friend, as if having a scholarship is somehow dirty, which... Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The first and only time she demonstrates any growth is on the fourth to last page where she actually apologizes for the scholarship comment as part of the denouement. I hope we get another arc of this story. I don't know if we will or if that's even in the plan, but I hope we do, where we could see some development um, of the other characters like Felicity. I think there's a lot of room and material there with her internal struggle between mean girl, snob, and decent person. And, I like, I really do think they kind of set that up. But we really, for me, for my part, didn't see that in this book. Mm-hmm. We saw the setup for it, but definitely didn't actually see it happen. It would be cool to see more of Felicity and be actually able to say more than she's not as bad as she seems, you know, which to <laughs> me sums her up.
0: Yeah, Okay. That's, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, I I kind of I like the fact that they showed her having a bit of a change because like people change. That's that's a fact of life. I am a completely different person to who I was a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. And teenage girls can be mean and we all know that and we all have our inner emo teen life coach who is Mm -hmm. persistently mean to us and we have to tell them to shut up quite a lot but i kind of like the way that not necessarily that felicity changes but the way that the other girls accept her into the fold yes um Mm. even though she's been so mean to them they're like no You're part of this group, we're going to have you as part of this group, so we're not going to make you be the outsider, even though you have pushed us to be the outsiders. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, and I think that's actually the best part of this story, is that they kind of accept her, even though she hasn't come around 100% yet.
0: Mm. I think that... i I would i would like to see um i would like to see more of that story but we will come back to that because that is a lesson question that we have had that i will talk about so um let's go on to some slightly random questions now because i do like to have slightly (laughs) random questions yeah bronwyn what's your favorite bird (laughs) well this is
2: tough but i would have to Probably go with a magpie, like ooh shiny. <laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> you know, but you know what? They are actually really intelligent. They pass the mirror test, mm. which that's impressive. So I think I think I would go with a magpie.
0: That's that is literally what I've put. I have also put magpie. Um, because a they're always on the outlook for something shiny, right? Much, like myself. Um, and b <laughs> They have, they just have so much folklore around them and so many stories. Mm -hmm. Now, do you salute magpies? I I can't,
2: I can't say that I do. Okay.
1: Now (laughs) I don't know. Let's get more British.
0: (laughs) I don't know if this is a British thing. Oh, I'm just going to go out on a limb. (laughs) No, no, no. It might just be my nan being a bit crazy. But... trust me we have plenty of weird in my family so okay a genuine request anyone who is listening to this please get in touch via twitter or facebook or or however you want to get hold of us is there anybody else who salutes a magpie because i will literally raise my hand to my forehead and salute them and say hello mr magpie how's your wife and family because that's what my little Nan always did. And so that's what I always do. You you greet the magpie and you ask him how he's doing. And it doesn't matter if it's a Mr. Magpie or a Mrs. Magpie, you still say, Hello, Mr. Magpie, how's your wife and family? I mean, I usually do talk to the
2: birds when they talk to me. I mean I feel like that's only polite, but I don't know. Oh, this is like literally, sal- I can
0: be I can be walking down the road and see a magpie. I can be driving past and see one. I can be on a train and I see a magpie. I will salute and I will greet the magpie. I genuinely think maybe I'm insane because I'm saying this out loud and it's not sounding like normal person behaviour. I mean, but I just I don't know if that is a British thing or if that's just a my nan thing. But. Like
2: I love you so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying. I'm literally crying. Oh, I
1: hand.
0: didn't mean to break you, Jess. I don't if my little nan was a bit crazy. I love it so much, though. Bearing <laughs> in mind though, that my nan also used to say things like, if there's enough blue sky to make a sailor a pair of trousers, it will be a nice day. Um, <laughs> I think maybe, <laughs> and maybe this might, might just
1: be your nan.
2: As so, far as metrics go, how much blue sky does it take? To make a sailor a pair <laughs> well, of trousers well that's
0: the whole point isn't it because you could argue that any amount of blue sky could make a sailor a pair of trousers so it's going to be a nice day the more i think about this the more i think actually my little nan was kind of mad i mean that makes her just a touch more awesome though don't you think oh yeah. yeah like like she was amazing this this is this is my nan that passed away late last year and um we had to kind of give some memories for for the the person doing the funeral service to talk about um my ones that i came out with were the time that we went to the fun fair and my nan and i went on the waltzer as many times as we could before we threw up um, (laughs) after eating an entire bag of chocolate honeycomb which is genius and then there was the time that um my cousins and i were staying at her house And she got an old mattress out the loft and she basically strapped us to it and pushed us down the stairs like it was a toboggan.
1: (laughs) Which was amazing.
0: Don't do that at home, kids. No, don't do that at home because you should have seen the look on my mother's face (laughs) when she found that out. (laughs) Um, And the third one, I was like, oh, do you remember when Nan used to give us midnight picnics? And literally my brother and my cousins were like, what? Uh, Yeah, you know, you'd go to a house for a sleepover. Um. And she'd come and wake you up at 10 to midnight and you'd go downstairs and you'd have your little triangle sandwiches um, and your little juice box and your little packet of Dolly mixtures. And all my cousins were just looking at me going, we never got this. Yeah. How, how, how did you how did this happen? I was What's like a Dolly oh. mixture. The dolly mixtures. Oh, my gosh. They're like insanely sugary sweets. They're basically just pure sugar. Coloured with um various food dyes. I will post you some because they are Excellent. amazing. Can I request apps, jelly babies? <laughs> yes, I will also send you jelly babies. There's more sugar in dolly mixtures though. They're basically oh my God. just just like coloured sugar. sugar lumps. Nice. Yeah, they're amazing. I love them so much. Um they do occasionally come in handy. If I'm doing a super long session at the gym, I will just take some dolly mixtures with me nice because they just give you that little kick yeah um i also realize i've completely digressed into memories of (laughs) my crazy pocket nan who got called pocket nan because she was like four foot nothing and you could pop her in your pocket oh my god oh yeah she was adorable jess do you want to tell me about your favorite bird before i disclose any more terrible (laughs) information about my crazy
1: So I don't really enjoy birds, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and this comes from years of working on a fishing boat where I would constantly be attacked by seagulls and they will <laughs> attack you. Okay. Oh, I've been seagulls. Seagulls. Mine, mine, I mine, 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 mine. Um, um, yeah. Little gulls, seagulls I've had, I've been attacked and pooped on by so many birds, so many birds. Um, Oh, I really don't enjoy birds. And I'm not saying that they're bad. They just don't need to come near me. Um, (laughs) But that, you know, again, years of trauma, (laughs) uh, years of trauma, I've been... Attacked by a seagull. I've been attacked by a swan ones too. That oh was, no, uh, swans, swans are, are mean little buggers.
2: Yeah, I have also been attacked by
1: a swan. That's not yeah. okay. We had one that like <laughs> lived at the dock, and like we would turn the water on for him and everything, and like he was like pretty chill for a while. And then like okay, one day he lost his marbles and just kind of like randomly went after people. So I'm not a huge fan. But I will tell you that if I had to be a bird, I would not. If I had to be a bird, but A bird that I actually enjoyed was I met an owl not too long ago, and he was very cool and he hung out and he like took pictures and like wore a little hat and like you could totally <laughs> tell that this bird could rip you apart if he wanted to but he was very nice and he wasn't and he just kind of was like happy with some pets and like got to hang out he actually lives he was rescued and lives in um the uh, pet store up the block from me that's his and he just has free reign he doesn't he goes into his crate as, as cage at night when he wants to but he just like he doesn't it's always open he flies around and does whatever he wants he doesn't attack anyone and he's lovely so i will go with that specific owl
0: (laughs) that is so beautifully precise and i love it i do Um, too if it's any consolation at all i have also been attacked by a seagull and (laughs) what most of the rest of the world thinks are seagulls are not seagulls if you have seen the seagulls in england i literally had a friend from australia once think she was looking at an albatross and i'm like no no that is just a seagull. I got attacked by one once. It flew down. It ripped my hair out. Yeah. I I genuinely had like blood running down my face <laughs> They're nasty, nasty and, little buggers. Like a coin-sized rip on my scalp. Ugh. So. Yeah, seagulls are evil.
1: And I've saved a bunch of them, too. Do you know how many of those stupid birds would attack the lures and get hooks stuck in them (laughs) that we would then have to cut out? We didn't cut. All the hooks that we used were um, degradable, so... and at a certain point in time, it will just leave their body um, and, and degrade. Um, and you just have, but you'd have to literally like hold this bird down. We'd have to get like, up. it was like everyone had their jackets and then you'd have to like cut this thing. I've had them when they were, I, one day the one was just attached to the pole flying behind the boat. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Horror, There's, horror there stories. Is, there is, um, okay. I'm in no way condoning Shoplifting or theft. But there was a spate of absolutely ingenious shoplifters where um, they would get a pigeon or a seagull, and they would these these young lads would catch it and they'd they'd get it in like wrap it up in a coat and then they'd go into a shop throw the bird into the shop and basically yeah. just ransack the place while panic ensued which is a terrible idea but was also slightly genius <laughs> Be- because nothing makes a shop owner panic quite so much a bird, a Angry bird. bird appearing. Yeah. so uh, yeah don't don't steal things kids yeah. sticking with the th- sticking with the theme of favorites I would like to know what your favorite collective noun is I'm assuming in this question that other people have a favourite collective noun obviously Um, of course we do well of course we do (laughs) Um, my my one favourite it's not actually technically a collective noun but my group that I used to play Dungeons and Dragons with um the DM once wanted to describe a group of zombies he needed a collective noun for a group of zombies so he referred to it as a crumpet of zombies <laughs> which um isn't isn't an official noun but I really wish it was because how less threatening does that sound that a is crumpet, crumpet, crumpet of, of zombies. zombies in reality though or oh, the reality in which other people live um, <laughs> it's, it's it's a murder of crows i love a murder of crows mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. also a very good classic. film starring Forest us yeah. um but yeah murder of crows jess favorite collective noun sings apparently other people have those
1: well as you know i loved playing world of warcraft and i was always for the horde okay and and the horde was a collective noun because that's what we were we were a horde of of bad guys because you're on the bad side not technically they weren't all bad guys i mean anyway, that's a long story i'm not gonna go I'm like I, that, that, that's that's too long i'm gonna cut that right there listen so being for the horde was always one of my favorite and then i said of course a murder of crows because yes. a murder of crows a okay. murder, a murder. <laughs> it's just um, too good not to that's yeah. true
0: yeah, that's a bad. well Roman, any advances on a murder of crows
2: well yeah actually I mean you know me I can't just select a singular favorite that's just not physiologically possible for me but um, in addition to a murder of crows <laughs> uh, I'm partial to the following uh, a destruction of wild cats nice. an ambush of tigers yes. a sloth of bears. What? Yep. Oh, it gets better. A stack of librarians. (laughs) (laughs) A disguising of tailors. And oh, this one, I don't know. This one might be my favorite. A hack of smokers. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing.
0: Oh that's absolutely brilliant. A pack of stuff. Oh,
2: I love collective nouns. They're just astounding. I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm in it's
0: Like they're
1: fun. It's fun. Uh,
0: I'm so glad I'm not the only person that has favorite collective nouns. Yeah. I was I was slightly concerned when I wrote that question. And that that's made, why they are friends. My <laughs> favorite <laughs>
1: Everybody, if you didn't know, that question right there is why all of us, for some reason, can speak to one another on an everyday basis. and Even though
2: clearly we other. don't speak the same language. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> We clearly speak completely different languages, but yet we still understand. Most. You still understand most of what I say. Most, most. I'm not even going to play it all anymore. Except so when you go deep <laughs> British. Oh, yes. my God. Amazingly British. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> okay, okay i'm okay. just i'm just gonna let you two finish <laughs> I'm pulling it together. i'm pulling it together i'm good i'm good are you sure okay. sure okay okay so if you could have the power of one bird or animal what would it be And my own answer to this absolutely confused me because I wrote this down and then I wrote an answer and I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Apparently, according to my brain when I wrote my answers, I'd love to be able to run like a horse. Um, (laughs) Not 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 literally, obviously, because I've got like 50% less legs than a horse and that (laughs) would just get awkward. But I think it's the whole kind of. Speed and looking glamorous and like the hair flowing in the wind like the horses make it look power. effortless you they know? Yeah. I know what I look like when I run mm. it is not glamorous and effortless I was, I was actually on a treadmill this morning and I put it up to running speed and then I was kind of like I've forgotten how to walk <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what my legs are supposed <laughs> to do at this point and I genuinely just had this moment where I was like is is this how is this how people walk what what do the feet do where are the legs going where should my hands be and i just i was like this is just so awkward why am i so awkward why can't i just be a horse and look oh glamorous God. and not You're amazing be terrible <laughs> um Bronwyn, can you help me out here because i am just genuinely making myself sound um. like a crazy person I mean, then you went to me. So yes. if I could have
2: the power You're on my one, backup, one burger animal, I went obviously to axolotl. So. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I mean, I know what an axolotl is, but <laughs> please. But did you know that they're self-healing and that they can regrow limbs? <laughs>
1: I did know that. I did know that. I follow a girl who raises them on mm. TikTok. Okay, I do. I follow this girl and she raises these. And it's amazing to watch. And they do. They grow like little nubbins back. That's I'm going to need that link because I love axolotls. <laughs> I always have. And
2: yeah, no, I mean, when you're as clumsy as I am and still into as many sports, like <laughs> I didn't think about it you that You know, way. things like hockey, <laughs> self-healing, that starts to look real good. Okay.
0: <laughs> Your answer is so so much more practical than mine i want pretty hair
2: (laughs) i want to be able to regrow a severed limb (laughs) so
1: let's get to my it's just a matter of time you you ready for this one oh okay so so to be honest with you you know you could go bird and fly or dolphin and swim no way dude i'm doing like Dachshund on my couch, okay. (laughs) I I want. I always say this too. This is like my. I say this to everyone. If like reincarnation's a thing and you can come back as things, like I want to come back as one of my dogs, okay? Because they live in advanced like pillow forts, all right. Like that's their life. They get cookies and belly rubs and glamour shoots. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Glamour shoots. They're they're they eat better than I do, you know. Like so yes. If I had any power, I want to be a dog so I could be adorable and get belly rubs, okay? That's what I want. I <laughs> oh, want oh the my power God. of cuteness on my side, okay? I feel like we nailed that question.
2: I feel like it might have been the best question we've ever done. <laughs>
0: I feel like maybe you two nailed that question, and I just made myself look even more
1: crazy. No,
2: I think that as a trifecta, we just rocked that I out. My, I don't know if my answer
1: was any less nuts. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out of nowhere with an axolotl.
2: <laughs> I mean, if anybody was going to come out of nowhere with <laughs> something, it was going
0: to be me. It was totally always going to be you. Yeah. Yes yeah i'm gonna give you that one (laughs) i just i feel like this would be a relevant time to point out that it is now 2 a.m uk time so if i'm sounding slightly more crazy than normal that's my excuse and i am sticking to it um as opposed to you know my normal level of crazy which yeah um going back to the dissimulation obviously all of the girls have their power in a piece of jewelry um So, again, my answer for this is ridiculous. (laughs) Bronwyn, I'm I'm hoping you're going to bring some logic to this. What piece or type of jewelry would you want your power stored in? Okay. So I would like my power stored in a cuff earring
2: or a bracelet, something I would wear every day because otherwise I would take it off and forget where it was and then I'd be screwed. (laughs)
0: So yeah, I'm and already eminently more sensible than my answer. Jess, jewelry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tell me you said a belly ring or something like that. That'd be amazing. That'd be
1: hilarious. Um I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> But I said, because for me, I actually wear, I own a lot of jewelry. I only wear it on occasion. But the one thing I wear every day is my wedding ring. So I said, of course, I want a, I want a ring. The one ring to rule them all. The <laughs> one ring to find them. The one ring to bring them all. And in the, and dark- in the darkness, the- bind, bind- them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, no. Sorry, not sorry. Not sorry at all. I'm not sorry for <laughs> that. Um, you gave me... <laughs> you gave me an opportunity to
0: say that and i did um i'm so so glad that i accidentally gave you that opportunity (laughs) that is that is that i've peaked i'm very very satisfied
1: so for me i said a ring because it's actually the one piece of jewelry that i actually wear every single day and never take off and i could say that whole thing
0: for my i would like to say a ring but I fiddle with jewellery when I wear it. So I, I got given rings for my 18th and 21st birthdays and I wear them and I fiddle them and I rotate them and they're gradually getting smaller and smaller the longer I have them. So that would be like a really terrible idea because I would just mess about with it and then like accidentally set off my powers. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking maybe I need something that I can't faff about with, like maybe like a hair clip Or something that's on the back of my head that I can't constantly be (laughs) twiddling (laughs) around. Because otherwise I'm just going to be like, just blasting powers out at people and getting it wrong. And let's be honest, I do still secretly wish I was a princess. Where's my tiara? Oh,
2: (laughs) Um, yes. You definitely need a tiara.
0: I would love a tiara. I have always wanted a tiara.
2: I've mm. never
0: owned a tiara. To, get to be honest, I'd probably look really stupid in one, because I am not a girly girl, like
2: <laughs> Oh my and, god, if you get a tiara, a.k.a. if we get you a tiara, you have to
1: promise that you will wear it to the gym. Please, and take pictures, and put mm-hmm. them on the internet, or at least on the internet to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Buy me a tiara, I'll wear it to the gym. Again... You're getting so many things in the mail. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. Pretty much agree to anything at this point. (laughs) Um now my next question is one of those questions that I ask, and you both tell me off for asking because it's a mean question to ask, and why do I ask it? But the next question is which member of the dissimulation is your favourite? And the reason I ask this is because I have a favourite and (laughs) My favourite is Binky, but she's not actually a member of the Dissimulation, so I've ruined my own question. (laughs) Um, I just find Binky adorable. She's so sweet, and she just really wants to do the best for her friends at all times, and she's, like, super caring, and I love her to pieces. But if I have to pick a member of the Dissimulation, I would probably pick Jenny, because she's, like, really feisty and doesn't mess about and just wants to... Take button, take names. So, yeah, those are my answers. Even though one of them is a cop out because he's not actually a member of the simulation. Jess, you love picking favorites. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I didn't have that hard of time. I really liked Emily
1: Margaret. I liked her. I, I felt the hairstyle and just like her vibes in general. Like I was cool with her. She was kind of like I kind of enjoyed her. She was my favorite. I have a favorite. Okay.
0: And that's and I'm sticking to it this time. Yeah, <laughs> definitive. Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that, that you are just straight in there. Uh, Bronwyn, your guy. Pick a My favorite. My favorite was actually Emily too.
1: Yay! <laughs> I just really liked her. I, just, I know. I wanted to know
2: more about her. I loved her power set. I loved her enthusiasm. Her haircut was wicked. I I loved the color that I found out it was later, and I was like, yeah, I thought yes. that was. I thought she'd look good in purple.
0: <laughs> Okay, me and beer are in them like, yep. We're in there yep. Okay, well that we're in that one then and, <laughs> So next up I'm Sorry <laughs> we some this... Are we done? <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Done I'm done Sure Mostly Stay with Like with that, you. stop <laughs> um so we had some listener comments which I'm gonna read and then we have a listener question that I'm gonna come to. Um so Dormouse daughter who is at Dormouse Girl on Twitter said, I have my own copy which I keep rereading. I enjoy the plot, the characters and the artwork. I would love to know what happens next and or what the previous group did. Um Thomas Brown, who is at Gothical Tom B on Twitter, said loved it. As a GN creator, it's clear to see the joy and creative power that went into it. It's really the perfect all ages graphic novel. And Nimu Brown, who is Nimu underscore B on Twitter, said very much enjoyed it. This is the sort of book I wish I could take back in time and press into the hands of child me. Now, following that last comment, what book would you like to go back and give to your childhood self if time travel was possible um Bronwyn I'm gonna to go to you first on that one
2: oh I loved this question I loved that um childhood me oh I would give childhood me Ms. Marvel the entire G. Willow Wilson run yes awesome <laughs> princeless every yes the issue of princeless squirrel girl beginning to end uh still life with tornado by A.S. King 13 me as opposed to like little little me but like Mm. preteen to teen me still life with tornado gotta get younger Bronwyn into reading A.S. King because I I just missed opportunity um and making friends for sure by Kristen Gudsnack. yeah yeah young Bronwyn would have loved that so yeah there I there are a bunch of books I've read recently that I'm like
0: duh if I only had these when I was a kid (laughs) and also you've kindly basically just mentioned a whole bunch of books that we've done episodes on yes Mm -hmm. i have good work (laughs) you have um which which is quite amusing because my book that i would give to younger me is a.s king's Gloria o'brien's history of the future Mm -hmm. just to prove to younger me that anything is possible and to let my imagination go where it wants but also to remind young me um a lesson that i think i probably should have paid more attention to when i was younger which is that family and friends are the most important things in the world, and so is being true to yourself and listening to your beliefs. Um, so, yeah, I really, really hope that Jess is going to give us an answer that's also something we've covered on the show, because that would just be hilarious. Right? Well, yeah, that's the whole... You guys just took my whole
1: list. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, even the Every Heart of Doorway, the whole series, I would... Just. Just please throw them like at me. You know what? There's one book, too, that I would give to Little Little Me that we haven't read. And actually, Bob um, told me to read this and he thought that Gwen would like it and I loved it was a book called Hexvet. <laughs> okay, and it's I love adorable. that book yes exactly I would also give little me that book that was another one and there was another book called Punk Taco that I got at
2: oh Comic
1: Con yeah so yeah those were two books that but everything else that you guys had I was like yeah this is what I'd give to me I Miss Marvel for sure would be a definite both amazing making friends books but yeah those um there's a bunch of books that now I think back like this book. I would totally just give this book to me. I would love this. I would eat right. this <sighs> up. It's okay. We had we had good books when we were kids too. It's not like we didn't have books.
0: That's true. Books are something you didn't, we didn't have Enid Blyton. What? No, but you know what
2: I did have and I made a note of? I had Beatrix Potter. Yes. Oh, That's it. Beatrix Potter was heavily, heavily censored <laughs> yeah. by my dad he actually went through and whited out uh, all the references to beating children or soft tobacco. <laughs> okay.
1: okay. That's amazing. interesting. There were some interesting stuff in our um our our young our young books sometimes sometimes they were a little bit over, you know.
2: Well, and I did I have maybe mentioned once or
0: twice that I was very very sheltered. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say I don't I don't remember there being that many terrible references in Beatrix Potter's book. No,
2: no, it's quite funny actually because I actually have some of the old Beatrix Potter books that I that I had when I was little and you can see where dad like very carefully went through and 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 hi, like he actually went through and whited out some of the text because <laughs> I was horrible. learning how to read so young and I would take them and I would read them and he didn't want me to read stuff that he hadn't read to me. <laughs>
0: That is genuinely adorable. Yeah. So it's quite funny to see. <laughs> now I have to go back and read Beatrix Potter and find all the bad bits. <laughs> Which is probably not the point of what went on there, but Probably not. But Peter um, Rabbit was not, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> He was a very naughty bunny, I'm just yes. saying.
1: Um He was naughty, I enjoy that. Look at Oh I'm like all over the place right now with your your Britishness I can't
0: can I not even say the word naughty anymore I oh love when you say naughty me, please say it more often because I love it no I'm not going to. what I am going to do is I'm going to read out a question from Samuel Pratt who is one of our long-term listeners and he's also one of our supporters on Patreon so thank you very much for that Sam Um, Sam asks, is this a story that you would want to see continued or do you feel that as a standalone it does its job well enough to where it does not need anything further? I like this story a lot, but I will say it was one of the few times reading where I was completely content with that being it. I felt it made its point and didn't have to go any further than that. But what do you all think? Um, So for me personally... I would want more. I would love to hear more about previous iterations of dissimulation and where the current girls go next. And also this is like a really random point, but I really want to know how Anne is going to persuade her dad to let her keep Ravenhall. Um, that was that was like one of my major takeouts from the book was, OK, so he's going to film a movie. Then what? How does she how does that conversation go down? How does she persuade him to let her keep the house? Um Jess what about you do you are you happy with the book as it is or would you like there to be more how do you feel about that from Sam so I am
1: have I think the book as a whole, um, like I could live with and it could be complete, but I would not mind more of this. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm fine with it being a standalone, but I think you could totally do a prequel. We talked about the, you know, the book about the what you are called the king. You know what I mean? Like this, there could be prequels. There could be more of them, like side adventures. I could see a team forming. Very, you know, I I could like to totally see that like kind of kids. Um, or young adult, like, you know, series built out of these girls and this this idea here i think they do have the start of something that could be even grander than it is but by all means i do i think the bone if i just read this book alone i'm totally fine with it i'm totally fine with it being a standalone but would i love to hear more would i love to know more if there's more in their brains and they have more ideas please again i will give you my money
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take my money now um but yeah so i would i would definitely read more if i could <laughs>
2: Awesome. What about you, Broman? Uh, yeah, I, for me, I wanted more. Um, like, And that is not to say that I don't think it works as a standalone, um, because I can understand where this is complete as a whole and, and, and how you could be satisfied with that just being finished. But I do have questions. Like you, um, How how is she going to keep Ravenhall? Like, I, I even have theories about that. And I, you know, I have thoughts. <laughs> I... <laughs> I can picture Vinky being, you know, the new M for, <laughs> you know, for this team, and and, uh, and I just I feel like there's there's a lot of room here for more stories. I feel like this is a, a a wonderfully contained story for sure, but it works so well as a jumping off point, and in any direction, sort of temporally speaking, because there are options for prequel-type stories with the previous dissimilation, uh, dissimilation and also, as you said, the the folklore around it, um, you know, with the White Raven and the King. And just, I imagine that there's room for um, for more in that direction as well, right? Yeah. So, I just feel like this is the bones of a world builder, and that's how I felt when I was reading this. So, mm-hmm. I could definitely definitely go for more in this world Hmm.
0: three for three on that one then amazing so that covers off all of um my ridiculous number of questions that i like to send out every month is there anything that i haven't talked about that either of you ladies wanted to bring up is there something glaring that i've missed and haven't mentioned I think we've done yeah. a pretty thorough job. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't think that question ever really has to be asked because you're so thorough and you send us so many questions every
0: month, like whether you want them or not.
1: Um, and then we've gotten them and been to her, like, "What are you trying to do? <laughs> we're like, what are you doing?" That but we always enjoy it, them. It oh, it's we love so them. Good. They're it's great. So sticks is going to be my favorite for a long time now. oh my god jolly hockey sticks I love it
0: <laughs> I love that that is your takeaway from this it's in my <laughs> terrible Britishisms that is 100% fine though um, so something that we would love for you listeners to, listen to takeaway is some other suggestions for things that you might like so obviously we do this every month we say if you like what we've talked about this week you might like these other things Um, clearly we have to mention Sailor Moon at this point because I have got quite a lot of homework to go and do now which is you know watch all of sailor moon mm-hmm. um i also want to reference the um Noelle stevenson showrunner based no that's not words i also want to mention the she series that is on netflix with noel stevenson as the showrunner it is a really wonderful piece of animation Um, It really kind of captures this idea of of the chosen one and being someone special, but also needing your friends and needing your team and needing your support network. I think off the top of my head, there are three seasons of that so far, but it's absolutely Mm -hmm. super. Um, And sticking with Noelle Stevenson, I would also mention Nimona, which was um, one of the very first episodes we ever did was about Nimona. It's a wonderful book and it kind of gives a different spin on the idea of being the chosen one and kind of making the most of your destiny. Um there's a book by Jen Bartel called Crystal Fighters, which is um just a very lovely little piece of kind of magic girl prettiness. All the art is by Jen Bartell, so obviously it's Ooh. absolutely mm. beautiful. Um, but it's kind of about a girl who escapes the drudgery of high school teenage life by playing this computer game and then um you know in in classic teen drama style gets sucked into the game um, Jumanji. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's it's just a really sweet little um one and done graphic novel so there's that Obviously, there's the Making Friends series by Kristen Gudsnuck, which we've talked about on the show before. She's been a guest on the show and she's absolutely lovely. Um, But that series is really super about, you know, making the most of your friends and and taking care of the people around you. A couple of Kelly Thompson books. There is the Nancy Drew comic that Kelly Thompson did with Jensen Onge which is absolutely glorious and i love it to pieces and also has loads of amazing representation in it that just kind of sneaks up on you and you don't really notice that it's happening but it's a super book um also kelly thompson's take on sabrina the teenage witch Mm -hmm. again sort of looking at that you know taking care of the people around you and coming to terms with the fact that maybe you are special um and then a couple of things that Jess and Bronwyn have already mentioned so there's the Babysitter Club series by Anne M. Martin if you could still find them <laughs> I'm sure you, you can, can but they are from the on eBay um and also the R.L. Stein books especially the Fear Street series oh, um so good so there's there's quite a lot there for for you to be picking up if you're looking for some new reading material or a new show to watch Um, So I think that that's going to be a wrap for this time. We hope that you've enjoyed spending some time with us. We would love to have you back next time. Next month, we will be taking a deep dive into the Netflix 2020 original movie To All the Boys I've Loved Before, P.S. I Still Love You, starring Lana Condor, Noah Centino and Jordan Fisher. Um, Long-term listeners to the show will know that we did an episode on to all the boys I've loved before, which was a lot of fun. And quite a lot of people have said that that's their favorite episode. We really went deep into that movie. So (laughs) So I am very excited, very, very excited. So I've actually read the book that this second movie is based on. I'm going to go back and reread that as well as watching the film, um, because I do like to kind of see like the changes and differences that, that they make in these adaptations. Um, so if you have anything you'd like to talk to us about relating to a conspiracy of ravens to all the boys i've loved before ps i still love you or you just want to say hello you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook just look for at valhalla ladies or you can email ladies at gmail.com you can also see our beautiful logo on all of our social media as designed by our very own jessica so lady b where can our lovely listeners find you you can find me on all the things at shinybabybee. And Lady J, where can you be found?
1: Oh, I'm just everywhere at Jarsica.
0: <laughs> Personally, I'm on all the various social media channels under the name Geek Country Lady. Don't forget, you can also now visit ladiesofvalhalla.com for previous podcast episodes, blogs, and videos. We're also on YouTube, so please head there to like and subscribe, as the kids apparently say. (laughs) Finally, we also have launched a Patreon site, which has a whole bunch of support options, ranging from online thank yous, early access to our shows, and a monthly book club. If you feel like helping us out with a dollar or more each month, please do head on over to patreon.com slash ladies of Valhalla, or you can find the link on our website. Thank you once again, and we'll be back in your ears again soon
1: daddy has food in the kitchen oh my god what is he making dex you're gonna miss it you better go (laughs) (laughs) he literally looked at me and ran into the kitchen like i am gonna miss it what if he dropped something (sighs) I love how British she's been this. Whole
2: oh my god, so British! It's amazing. <laughs> She'll hear this when she's recording. I know.
1: <laughs> I, I love how British this episode has become.
2: It is wild, and I love it so much. <sighs> but like, what is what is like? Was it bun, bunting? 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 Is that a word? It's not a word I've ever heard before.
1: <laughs> I swear to God, I speak English. <laughs> You could take this so oh my God, I know I'm like what are you talking when I was reading this, that's why I didn't say anything. I'm like, I was gonna ask her, and then I'm like, no, I want to wait till we're recording because I can't wait to like talk about this <laughs> Jolly hockey sticks.
2: oh my God, I could not believe the Jolly hockey sticks. I legit looked it up. I was like, how is there something that has hockey sticks in it, and I don't know what it is like yeah,
1: I'm like I'm not even gonna make her explain that. I'm like, I'm not even going
2: to not even going. to. <laughs> <laughs> do they even play hockey in England? I didn't think
1: they did. Uh, yeah, I didn't know there was a thing <laughs> over there. How do they even know what hockey sticks are? I mean it's only in the colder states here, so right? like
2: <laughs>
1: Oh my God. Maybe they mean field hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if that is what they mean though
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. oh god if you have anything you'd like to talk to us about relating to a conspiracy of ravens or to all the boys i've loved before ps i still love you why can't we just pick something with a short title? <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> Never. Every time. Sorry.